0: Hey guys, this is Jody Holland and
1: And I'm Megan Holland
0: and welcome to the Become the Leader podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about generational perspectives. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. We obviously are different generations represented on this podcast. I'm Gen X. I'm Gen Z. And we don't have a millennial represented in here, which is crazy. So I want to kind of do a quick overview of the generations and the birth years, the way I teach it. Now. I also want to be clear. The only generation that's mapped out based on what U S government says is baby boomers. They are 1946 to 1964. They make up about 13% of the total workforce. Then comes the millennials, which are night or excuse me, Gen Xers 1965 to 1980, a little shorter birth years. There's only about 46 million of them. They're only about 30%, 32% of the total workforce right now. Then you have the millennials 1981, to about 1999 Uh, it's different depending on where you read but they are the majority of the workforce representing about 45 percent of the total workforce then we've got gen z which started being born in the year 2000 and running through about 2019 so kind of interesting that we've got roughly 22 years old and down from gen z that are represented in the workforce now so we have some of them out of college we have some of them who didn't go to college but they are a different generation than any of the ones that we've seen before. And it's such a variety, such a mix of values. So we're just going to talk about some of the values, some of the mix, some of the way that we were brought up and bring in a little bit of developmental psychology into the way that you would look at leading the different generations. When you were leading Gen X, first thing you have to understand is we're pretty independent and we kind of don't like being told what to do. And for the most part, if you look at the research out there, a lot of Gen Xers are only in charge because they don't want somebody else to be, but not really because they actually wanted to be in charge. So that's the first perspective is the way that we look at being in charge. It's more of a, well, crud. I don't want anybody else to be in charge, so I guess I'll do it.
1: <laughs> right. And then with my generation, Gen Z, I think that we're some of the most sensitive people insensitive people out there. Tell me what you mean by that. Gen Z is such a range of people. You have the people who just don't care and will do whatever they want. And then you also have the people pleasers. And so it's really interesting looking at it in the workforce. I'm curious what we'll see over the next few years as more and more Gen Z goes into the workforce. But Gen Z is the kind of generation that goes after what they want and if they're not getting it then they'll just leave pretty much
0: yeah that actually makes a lot of sense i want to hit this sensitive insensitive thing for just a minute because that's really interesting to me to think about you know as leaders we're we have this whole new generation that's entering the workplace and we want to keep them like we do not want the turnover because it's a giant pain in the rear to continuously replace your people to think about the sensitive side of it and then the driven side of it. The sensitive side of it is if I come in there and I'm a tyrant as a leader and I'm dealing with people that are the sensitive or the people pleasers, you indicated they just kind of leave. Yeah. and And like that, like as soon as they feel like they're being disrespected or not being taken care of.
1: Right. Gen Z is so focused on emotion and that relationship connection with the, the people at work and the leaders at work. And so a lot of the time, what I've been seeing at least, is that Gen Z is preaching to other Gen Zs that if you're not happy in a workplace, leave the workplace. There are plenty of jobs out there. That's what they keep saying. The issue with that, though, yeah. is that sometimes they don't give it a chance because the second something seems rough, they're like, oh, I'm out of here. I'm done.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, what, the way that I was brought up, and I don't actually know if my dad taught me this lesson or if it was just society at the time, we were expecting work to not actually be fun. <laughs> and we were expecting to not like our bosses. Maybe that was just, you know, looking at baby boomers thinking, yeah. They're not going to be good to work for, (laughs) but we expected the suffering. And so we didn't, a lot of Gen Xers didn't quit very quickly. Although the turnover for Xers was double what the turnover for baby boomers was. And the turnover for millennials was almost triple what the turnover for Xers were. I don't, we don't know on Gen Z yet, but I do know that sensitive, insensitive thing like some people the insensitive ones they're going to quit because they felt disrespected. They're going to go, "I'm out. I couldn't care less about you." And they're they're likely just going to not show up. I have seen in the workforce already from that generation, the ones that don't really respect the bosses, they just don't come back. Like they don't tell anybody. And when bosses track them down, this I was hearing a story from one of my clients just last week, when the boss finally tracks him down, like, hey, are you okay? I, You know, you didn't come back after lunch. I was really worried about you. Their response is, I just decided it wasn't right for me.
1: Yeah. It's crazy to me. And I've seen it in my peers that anytime they're upset, they would rather just not show up than go tell the boss that they quit. And if they do actually go tell the boss that they're quitting, it's usually like, I quit. I'm not coming back. It's not, I'm putting in my two weeks. It's like, I'm never seeing you again.
0: Wow. That's kind of crazy to think about because it's so hard to run a business if you don't have a consistent workforce. So what that tells us is that in leading this generation, just kind of first perspective, you've got to really build a connection so that you can develop the trust and the respect. I mean, that would be what I would see out of that is if I don't have a connection with the Gen Z that works for me, they're going to one day wake up and go, I'm out and I'm not coming back.
1: I would agree with that. Gen Z is extremely focused on mental health too. And so if they don't feel like their mental health is being taken care of at work, then that's reason for them to leave.
0: Man, that is going to shake up some organizations (laughs) over the next several years. Because you think about... Like we talk about mental health and balance, but where is the separation from work and time off? Like literally we're accessible 24 seven because of our cell phones, our emails on our cell phone for a lot of people. They're texting on their cell phone and a lot of bosses just whenever they think of something, they send it to the employee even if that's not a good time to do that.
1: Right. And it used to be that you could kind of turn a switch off. Whenever you left work, but you don't see that anymore because like you said, the constant communication and plus, I don't know about anyone else, but for me, work is always on my mind. Yeah. Even when I'm not working and it kind of takes over sometimes it it can be very overwhelming. And so I think what Gen Z wants to see out of leaders is more of a mindful based leadership style That Hmm. they're actually taking into account the emotions and the health of the employees and they're listening. It is back and forth interaction. It's not just this is what you have to do and then go do it. It's like, all right, how are you doing today? Yeah. Okay, now let's get started on work. And then at the end of work, it's like, all right, you go take care of yourself. Rest up. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Don't you think that's just good leadership anyway to do that, to actually care about a person's time off?
1: For sure. But um, I don't just necessarily a, see it a whole lot.
0: No, we really don't see it much at all. And I, I think, I don't, I don't really know the reason why, other than it's a lot more work to actually care, and it's a lot more work to be a good leader and a good human. And I think sometimes people get in those leadership positions, they think, Man, it's going to be so easy. I'm in charge. I deserve everything. And then they're in charge like, holy cow. (laughs) Like you're constantly checking on everybody just to make sure they're okay. Right. And I even set, like I set reminders to think, have I appreciated my people lately? Am I paying attention to them? And admittedly, sometimes I feel so beat down. I'm like, I don't know if I have anything left to give.
1: Right. But you also have to remember that you don't need to hear their entire life story when asking how they are. It's just like, how are you doing today? And then, you know, just move on, get to the tasks of the day. We've mentioned it before. It's being friendly, not being friends.
0: Well, sometimes, (laughs) you brought that up, but sometimes people tell you their entire life story. Right. And that's when maybe you just set a parameter. Instead of saying, how are you doing today? Maybe you say, "Um, I'm really glad you're here. I appreciate you being a part of this team.
1: Right. It's setting boundaries.
0: Yeah. I think that's important. So next perspective that I was thinking of is just from the perspective of what I want from a leader, like I would work for somebody who, number one, really wanted to reward me for doing an amazing job. But I, maybe it's just a a Gen X thing, but I can't stand when somebody who does half the work that I do gets the same pay.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes.
0: So drives me nuts.
1: And I see it a lot and I see the unhappiness that results from it too. And I think pay is a big reason that people leave companies as well.
0: I know it's like, if you think about why you would apply for a job, I mean, research shows that it's not what motivates you, but it is what motivates you to apply. I'm not going to go apply for a job if they go, hey, look, we're not going to tell you what it pays yet. <laughs> you just decide if you're going to take the job first, then we'll tell you what it pays. I wouldn't apply. Right. Like I, I know what I am worth and I will on, would only apply for jobs that were what I'm worth on pay. But the pay itself, I think what it represents, at least to the Gen Xers that I know, What it represents is validation of a job well done.
1: Exactly. And right now what we're seeing too is that people don't want to work. And so the businesses that are recognizing the people for working are better off. Yeah. So my current job just raised the pay for all part-timers because they don't want to lose more part-timers.
0: Yeah. So there's good and there's bad to that. The, the upside is you attract more people and you keep more people. The downside is if you're only raising it for one group of people and then other people maybe work there for a year and a half and they're, they're now making the same as a brand new part-timer, you've created a different motivational mess there.
1: Very true. If you're going to raise pay for another group, you need to think about the people who have been there long-term because you want to keep them happy just as much as you want to keep the new hires happy.
0: Yeah. And I think we're going to change our perspectives based on the, the mess that we've got in trying to find people that want to go to work. I think one of the other perspectives that is shifting and going to continue to shift is we're going to try to hire like superstars, pay them more, but hire fewer of them. Because I think if you took somebody that's a really, really top producer, that's producing two, three times the work of an average person, if you had two of those, that's the equivalent of, say, five people in the job. So if you paid each of them one and a half times what you would normally pay, then you're still saving money. So what I think is going to see what we're going to see a shift, because I, I see Gen Xers as very pragmatic, and there's more and more Xers in charge right now. And the pragmatic or the practical side of the Xer is going to go, I'm just going to look at total money. I need this job done. If we can do it with two people, I'd much rather do that. I really don't like managing you guys anyway. <laughs> and so they're going to try to do it with two people instead of five people and pay more per person but hire fewer people. And part of what I see as a struggle, and this may be a little controversial, love to get your feedback on this, but I think when we just mandate a minimum wage and we mandate or regulate through uh, governmental regulation what employers are supposed to do, I think you see a downturn in the number of jobs. I don't think it adds jobs. I mean, theoretically, you would like to say, oh, well, we're going to mandate that instead of starting at eight bucks an hour, everybody has to start at 15. One of the executive orders passed by the Biden administration doesn't take effect till 2025 after his four year term, but they did pass that executive order. Well, if you mandate 15 bucks an hour, then the pragmatic Gen Xers start looking at, should we automate? Will we save money? Is it going to be cheaper? Do we just need less people? All right, we'll pay 15 bucks an hour. But you know what? We're only hiring three instead of seven. Right. And that's what I'm seeing in a lot of businesses as well is we keep raising pay, but we have fewer and fewer people doing the same amount of work that more people used to do. And I would estimate, you know, Gen Z is getting the brunt of it. Because they're trying to come in, they're trying to make their way in the world. You've got a number of them that have already graduated from college, but they're going to look at it and go, man, I want to do that. I don't want to work that hard for that money. I'll just go start my own deal, which is why I see, I think we're seeing a gig economy with Gen Z like we did with a lot of the millennials.
1: I would agree with that because I've already seen several of my friends struggle to find a job that's worth the amount of work that they're putting into it. Mm -hmm. And so they're getting discouraged and they're looking for alternative paths now.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, even for me, I, I wanted a great job and I got a job (laughs) out of college. I will not say a great job. And it took me several months to find it. And then I got a little bit better job and then I got what I thought was going to be a little bit better job. But in every job, I didn't quit the job, I quit the boss. And I think we've seen each generation have a lower and lower tolerance for dealing with bad bosses. Would you agree with that with your generation?
1: I would definitely agree with that.
0: And so, I mean, my perspective on what a bad boss is, is somebody that cares deeply about themselves or money, but not me and not the mission.
1: Everyone wants to feel valued and appreciated in the workplace. And if you're not giving that as a leader, you're probably not going to retain as many people.
0: Probably not. Even Clayton Alderfer, who is a researcher on psychological motivation, he had a principle called the frustration regression principle. And he said that when your higher order needs, like your sense of purpose, your sense of growth, your sense of belonging, like you've got a great team, uh, you feel like that's your identity in that job, when those are not met, we regress to lower order needs. So we say, I don't get paid enough money to put up with this. You can fill in the blank. (laughs) And I think that's part of what we're seeing is that's come to a head because it's been pushed so hard, more, 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 more. Instead of saying, hey, what do we stand for? Like what values are going to drive us?
1: Right. And going along with that, I think another key aspect of a leader is sticking up for your employees. Oh, yeah. Because when someone says, I don't get paid enough for this, part of that is because they don't feel like they're getting the backing and the support that they need to be able to put up with that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a really good point. And I think that's gotten more and more important with both the millennials and with Gen Z cuz you're absolutely right. I'm I'm thinking about this like even it doesn't matter what generation you're in, if you feel like your boss is watching out for you and cares about you and wants you to be safe, mentally, physically, psychologically safe, you'll really want to follow that that person. But if you don't feel valued and protected, uh, most generations are out at this point.
1: Right. There needs to be mutual respect.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And a whole whole different episode. Sorry, I'm (laughs) stumbling on my words here, but a whole different episode that I think we need to talk about is I think the most challenged part of emotional intelligence is self-regulation. And you think about what we're dealing with with this pandemic fatigue and with customers coming in that are just, they seem to be getting ruder and ruder and meaner and nastier. And you're like... Okay, there's only so much that we should really put up with here.
1: Right. And as far as respect goes, people are demanding respect. They forget that you're actually supposed to earn respect.
0: And going back to what you said earlier, it's mutual. Yeah. When you earn it, you start by giving it and then you get it.
1: Right. I mean, I can't imagine walking up to somebody and being really rude to them and then expect them to be nice to me. No. But if I start out nice, then they're more likely to be nice.
0: Yeah. It's not a guarantee, but they're definitely more likely. Right. So we want our bosses to stand up for us. We want to make sure that um, we're aware of the emotional needs of employees. We have to understand a lot of Gen Xers are in charge because they don't want somebody else to be. And really, we've got to understand that the value set drives the diversity of the organization I really believe at some point we will come to terms with the fact that diversity is really diversity of thought and value structure because all of our backgrounds are our thought and value structure where you grew up, what you were exposed to, what your background is, what your education is, what your, you know, every variation that we see in diversity, it's thought and values that end up impacting the workplace.
1: I would agree with that.
0: Awesome. I think it's been a great conversation. I do want to get into emotional self-regulation in the next episode. So I'd love to see you guys back. This is Jody Holland.
1: And I'm Megan Holland. We'll
0: see you on the next episode of
1: Become the Leader.